0: C. diff, spores, and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at cloroxhealthcare.com. Welcome to C-Diff Spores and More with your host, Nancy Kerala We are here to discuss C-Diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala
1: Welcome to the program, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We would like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Please visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products keeping environments safer, CloroxHealthCare.com forward slash CDF radio. It's a great pleasure to welcome our guest, Sue Barnes, RN, BSN, an independent clinical consultant. After retiring in October of 2016 as a national program leader for infection prevention and control for Kaiser Permanente's eight regions, 38 hospitals, and 630 medical offices, Sue is board certified in infection control and prevention, granted the designation, of fellow of APIC in 2015, and has been in the infection prevention field since 1989. Sue Barnes joins us today to discuss contaminated operating room air and surgical infection risk. At this time, I'd like to welcome our guest, Sue, to the program. Thanks for joining us today, Sue. Thanks, Nancy.
2: And I want to thank the C. diff Foundation for inviting us to participate on your show today. I think uh, the topic will be of interest to your audience, and that being how contaminated air in operating rooms can increase the risk of post-operative surgical site infection and what we can do about that. And while we will be referring primarily to hospitals throughout the show, the information is important to outpatient surgery centers as well. I'd like to start by describing the problem a little bit more. Surgical site infections, or SSI, are a major cause of morbidity and mortality in U.S. hospitals. Airborne bacteria in operating rooms can contribute to SSI risk. In Europe, but not in this country, regulations exist to limit the amount of airborne bacteria and particles in operating rooms. There are actions that we currently take in the U.S. to Help improve or air quality, but there's evidence to suggest that these these actions are really not sufficient to fully reduce the infection risk.
1: Exactly. And so, can you elaborate on how exactly air contamination result in surgical infection?
2: Sure. Uh, procedures involving an implant have the greatest risk of infection from the smallest number of bacteria. These implant procedures include like uh, hip and knee replacements, hernia repair with mesh, breast implants, and, and there are many more. Almost every surgical specialty now performs some type of procedure that involves implanting a medical device. Because they, uh, the, the implants are foreign bodies, far fewer organisms or bacteria are needed to attach and to begin to develop the biofilm that can lead to an infection. Bacteria circulating in operating room air can come from a number of sources. They can be, for instance, attached to skin cells, hair fibers, and respiratory aerosols that are shed by members of the surgical team. These can be dispersed in the operating room on air currents, possibly settling in the open incision or adhering to the implant. Nearly a century of peer-reviewed literature supports the relationship between airborne pathogens and SSI risk. As airborne bacterial levels increase in operating rooms, the risk of infection also increases. This is further impacted by the number of people in the room. So aerosol contamination has been reported to account for 20 to 24% of surgical site infections.
1: That's an awful lot, Sue, and thank you for sharing that with us. And Sue, how much of a problem are surgical infections?
2: Well, I'd like to share just some really basic statistics that might address that question. First of all, surgical infections are the most common type of all healthcare-associated infections. Uh, Secondly, patients with an SSI or surgical site infection have a 2 to 11 times greater risk of mortality, of dying. And SSIs are also the most costly of all of the different infection types. Uh, it's estimated that they result in an annual cost to the to the U.S. of three to five billion dollars. There's also an increasing number of surgical procedures performed every year. Right now, there are 45 million inpatient surgical procedures performed annually. So, as the number of procedures increases, the number of surgical infections will also increase. And, of course, as we know, Medicare no longer reimburses most surgical infections. So that can significantly impact healthcare economics. And I think most importantly of all is the fact that as many as 60% of surgical infections are considered to be preventable. We do know that implant procedures, as mentioned before, are at greatest risk of infection. Just considering hip and knee replacements, on average, more than 2% of those will become infected. And a single case of total joint replacement infection can lead to close to $500,000 in associated costs and a mortality rate of between 2 and 7%. Experts tell us that the five-year survival rate for these patients that have joint infections is actually worse, worse than most cancer patients. Most would probably not think about hernia repair as belonging to the category of implant procedures, But, of course, most are repaired with mesh, and mesh is an implant. And these procedures are extremely common. The risk of surgical infection following incisional hernia repair has been reported to be, on average, between 6 and 10%. Plastic surgery cases involving an implant, such as breast augmentation, have an even greater risk of SSI. The SSI rate following breast cancer reconstructive surgery has been reported in several studies to be as high as 28%.
1: Sue, the statistics are significant and quite eye-opening. Thanks for sharing that with us. And now you can try to explain to us why the focus on air quality and surgical infection risk Now, why hasn't there always been a focus on this?
2: Well, I think until now, we've really been focused on addressing the most significant surgical infection risks with basic prevention measures such as preoperative antibiotics, skin prep, glucose control, and normothermia. And we've made great progress in reducing the risk of SSI by improving these basics, but In most locations, we've still not achieved a sustained elimination of preventable surgical infections. So now we're expanding our focus to include less obvious but still important risks, such as the quality of operating room air. And contaminated OR air is actually becoming a more significant risk over time due to um, a number of factors. First, the increasing number of procedures, as mentioned, in operating rooms, um, and that includes implant procedures, plus a faster room turnover time, uh, more personnel, more activity and equipment in the operating room, in addition to older and more acute patient populations, more antibiotic-resistant organisms. So all of these results in an increased bacterial load in operating room air.
1: Okay, and so have there been actual cases of surgical infection caused by airborne contamination?
2: Uh, Yes, absolutely. There are numerous published reports of surgical infection outbreaks due to contaminated air, most often caused by MRSA or which is methicillin-resistant Staph aureus or the sensitive version of Staph aureus, methicillin-sensitive Staph aureus. So some of these outbreaks have been found to be associated with viral upper respiratory tract infections in the surgical team, and that's called a cloud phenomenon. That's where common colds and flu can actually increase airborne discharge of common nasal bacteria like Staph aureus. Uh, I'll give you one um, example. A case of a surgeon was found to be the source of an SSI outbreak, and it turned out that he was colonized intranasally with Staph aureus and had acquired an upper respiratory viral infection, and that had increased his airborne discharge of Staph by 40 times normal. In another outbreak, eight surgical infections occurred after modified radical mastectomy procedures. Um, In this case, group A streptococci was the pathogen isolated. The outbreak was believed to have occurred by airborne transmission from skin cells shed by a colonized surgeon again, transferred on air currents, and subsequently inoculating the operative field and leading to the infections.
1: Okay, and so before we go to break, can you uh, share some light on surgical masks? Are they a good barrier to surgical team respiratory aerosols that might contaminate the operative site and incision?
2: Uh, well, yes and no. A fresh face mask almost completely prevents bacterial-laden aerosols from escaping. But after 15 minutes there's a measurable increase in the level of escaping aerosols. Uh, The level of aerosol escape increases when that mask becomes wet or it fits poorly. The recommended wear time for certified surgical masks is four hours, and, of course, they become less effective over time. And so, consequently, surgical masks can contribute to contamination of the surgical wound in two ways. One, by venting, where the air leaks from the side of the mask due to insufficient tension on the strings or poor fit. And secondly, by wicking, where secretions are conveyed uh, through capillary action from behind the mask. And of course, uh, additionally, skin scales or cells can rub off the face due to mask friction.
1: Okay. Well, Sue, thank you so much for sharing this information with our global listeners. We are going to pause right now for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue discussing the introduction to contaminated air and surgical infection risk with our guest, Sue Barnes. Please stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages.
3: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Join us on November 8th and 9th at the 6th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo taking place at the Embassy Suites by Hilton Philadelphia Airport Hotel. For conference information and to register online, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call the main office at 919-201-1512. We can't wait to see you at this year's conference. Call 919-201-1512 or visit cdifffoundation.org and we'll see you in November. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. C.D.I.F. can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety. Get answers to your questions. You're not alone. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Handwashing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean, dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org.
2: Find out what's
0: happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to c diff spores and more if you have a question please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org now back to our program here again is your host nancy Kerala
1: welcome back to the program and we thank you for joining us today it's a pleasure to introduce our guest Dr. David Kirschman, MD, FAANS, a neurosurgeon, inventor, and Dr. Kirschman holds over 70 issued U.S. and international patents in medical device and infection control technologies. He is also founder and CEO of Aerobiotics, Inc., a company dedicated to improving healthcare outcomes by improving the environmental of care. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kirschman.
4: Oh, thank you very much for having me, Nancy.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here and to share this important information with our global listeners. And Dr. Kirschman, would you mind telling us about your company and the Alluvia air uh, decontamination device?
4: Uh, Yes, sure. You know, Aerobiotics uh, is a privately held company um, with our primary goal of building awareness regarding the contribution of air quality issues to hospital-acquired infections. We partner with healthcare facilities to evaluate air quality, to set air quality targets, and prescribe appropriate solutions uh, with a careful cost benefit analysis. Um, We design and manufacture the Alluvia air decontamination unit, which is small and mobile, and uh, it is manufactured at our own facility in Ohio so we can assure uh, the highest standards of quality and performance. Uh, The Alluvia device has been designed to provide efficient elimination of airborne viruses, bacteria, and spores to optimize operating room air and other high risk environments in healthcare.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Kirschman. Um, is the Alluvia device currently being used in any U.S. hospitals? Uh, yes,
4: uh, the Alluvia system is currently used at 28 different facilities in the U.S., and we're adding all the time. Our main reference center is the Cleveland Clinic main campus, uh, where our technologies are used in the orthopedic joint rooms. Um, We are in a variety of facilities, ranging from um, your small ambulatory surgical centers to your larger academic hospitals, and we're currently adding between three and five new facilities per month as we continue to build our message of supplemental air decontamination.
1: Wonderful. And Dr. Krishman, is there any evidence of efficacy of the alluvia at this time?
4: Oh, yes. You know, um, the alluvia has been proven in uh, numerous peer-reviewed studies uh, to reduce bacterial and particle counts in operating rooms. In two different orthopedic operating rooms, it reduced bacterial levels by approximately 80%, while in general surgery, uh, it demonstrated a 67% reduction in bacterial level. In a regular hospital unit, it was shown to reduce bacterial levels by 41%.
1: Wonderful. And Dr. Kirschman, can you take a moment and explain how hospitals can determine if they have safe operating room air?
4: Uh, yes. You know, it, at present, there are no common standards used for interpreting the quantitative and qualitative results of operating room air testing, which would be a combination of particle counting as well as bacterial counting. The Alluvia has a built in particle counter which provides continuous air sampling during surgical cases. There are also particle counters that are available separately for purchase on the market. You know, any such device should have the capability to discriminate which particles are viable, uh, and that includes microorganisms. Um, We uh, use laser-induced fluorescence, uh, which is uh, such a technology. Um, It would also be important to measure the number of bacteria per cubic meter of air in colony-forming units, or CFU. Uh, bacteria settle plates can also be used to measure this through passive air sampling where culture plates are placed strategically in an operating room during a surgical case and then sent to the lab for incubation and readout. Um, this can provide a measurement of the harmful part of the airborne population, which could potentially fall into a critical surface, such as a surgical incision or on the instruments in operating room theaters. You know, as mentioned, in European ORs, um, they tend to adhere to the ISO class 5 bacterial limits for high-risk environments, including the OR. You know, those limits are less than 50 CFU per, meter, per CFU per cubic meter for general ORs and less than 10 for specialty ORs, such as cardiac and orthopedic uh, operating rooms where implants are placed.
1: Thank you so much for sharing those statistics, Dr. And can you explain about the challenges introducing the Illuvia to U.S. operating rooms?
4: Yes, you know, identifying a surgeon champion at any given hospital or outpatient surgery center is always a challenge for many reasons. In addition, there is a challenge of adding any cost, no matter how small, for the prevention of an adverse event, such as an infection. These costs are viewed differently than planned costs. However, our flexible acquisition models help with that, and we eliminate the need for capital expenditures and all of the associated levels of re- approval required.
1: Okay. And, Doctor, how does the Alubia compare to other UV disinfection devices on the market designed to reduce surgical infection risks?
4: Um, you know, there are many UV devices, ultraviolet devices, on the market designed to reduce surface contamination in healthcare environments, including OR. This is, different. this is a different type of technology and is considered an adjunct to manual environmental cleaning of surfaces. There are fewer UV technologies on the market designed to specifically reduce OR air contamination. The primary differences between those and ours is that the Alluvia is mobile and it requires no installation or capital expenditures. It also includes two separate filtration systems. So not only is it killing microorganisms, but it also filters out circulating particles which can be hazardous, such as byproducts of surgical smoke.
1: Okay, and Dr. Kirschman, thank you so much for providing those key points on the Alubia device, and right now we're going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will be discussing the introduction contaminated air and surgical infection risk with our guest, Sue Barnes and Dr. Kirschman. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. <music>
3: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, Blackberry App World, or Android Market.
0: The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age, at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health c-difficile prevention treatments and environmental safety get answers to your questions you're not alone support is just a phone call or mouse click away to register for a session call the c-diff foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org to help support the C-Diff Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free one 844 4 c That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us on November 8th and 9th at the 6th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo taking place at the Embassy Suites by Hilton Philadelphia Airport Hotel. For conference information and to register online, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call the main office at 919-201-1512. We can't wait to see you at this year's conference. Call 919-201-1512 or visit cdifffoundation.org. Org, And we'll see you in November. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks. Because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly. You need disinfectants you can trust.
1: Welcome back to the program and thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure to reintroduce our guests, Sue Barnes, RNBSN, CIC and fellow of APIC, along with Dr. Kirschman, MD, F-A-A-N-S, neurosurgeon, inventor, founder and CEO of Aerobiotics Incorporated. Sue Barnes and David, Dr. David Kirschman join us today to discuss the introduction of contaminated operating room air and surgical infe- infection risks. Welcome back to the program, Sue and Dr. Kirschman. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And we're going to um, circle back with Sue. And Sue, what safeguards are in place currently to reduce the risks of airborne contamination in operating rooms?
2: Well, in this country... Currently, engineering controls are used to improve air quality in, in operating rooms, and that, that includes positive air pressure relative to adjacent rooms and spaces, uh, an increased rate of air exchanges, uh, specifically 20 per hour, and additionally in some ORs, high-efficiency filters called HEPA filters are installed within the ventilation system. However, it's important, I think, to point out that these controls can be circumvented by door openings and high occupancy during surgical cases. This can serve to disrupt, resettle, and increase airborne bacteria-laden particles.
1: Okay, thank you, Sue. And Sue, can you provide a high-level overview of the regulations and controls currently in place in this country relative to operating room air quality? Sure. There are clinical professional
2: organizations that recommend certain engineering controls that I just described uh, for operating rooms, uh, and these address dilution, and that's the 20 air changes per hour, filtration and that's the specifics around the filters used um, in the operating room HVAC systems, as well as pressurization and that's the positive air pressure compared to adjacent adjacent spaces. Um, so these professional clinical organizations are, AORN, that's the OR Nurses Association, the CDC, of course everyone's familiar with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, as well as ANSI, ASHRAE. And ASHRAE holds a specific standard uh, for air quality, and that is standard number 170-2008. These, again... These are not federally or state-mandated engineering controls, um, but they are followed by the majority of operating rooms in the country. In addition, AORN and CDC recommend certain surgical team practices that can support reduced airborne contaminants, including minimizing foot traffic during cases. However, there's no guideline that provides parameters for this. In other words, how many, if any, door openings during cases are acceptable. In addition, these organizations also recommend full coverage of skin, hair, mouth, and nose for surgical team members and changing surgical masks when they become wet or soiled. And recently, AORN added a recommendation to remove any patient hair from the surgical site before the patient enters the operating room, and that's to prevent the dispersal of bacteria-laden clipped hair in the sterile OR environment. There are, however, as mentioned, no air quality standards, that, that being bacteria and particle limits. Nor is there a standard methodology recommended for testing OR air quality in this country. Although, interestingly, there are standards and testing methodologies recommended for U.S. compounding pharmacies. These are pharmacies that prepare sterile solutions to be introduced into the sterile vascular system. So air quality is, of course, important in those compounding pharmacies. Similarly, air quality is vital in operating rooms because this is where procedures uh, are involving entering a sterile organ space through an incision. And that incision remains open to the OR air during the entire case. So compounding pharmacies must comply, as Dr. Kirschman mentioned, with iso Class five standards—that's International Standards Organization (ISO) class five standards for air quality, which recommends a maximum air airborne particles per cubic meter of air, with, which must be measured and tracked. And it is my hope, our hope, that we will have the same requirements for operating rooms at some point.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much, Sue, for that information. And Dr. Kirschman, what are some best practices recommended in addition to engineering controls and adjunctive um, filtering, decontamination of air to improve air quality in operating rooms?
4: Uh, yes. Some of the best practices that I am aware of include uh, the use of electronic counters on OR doors to track how many times the door is opened during a case locking one of the doors and placing signage on the other during surgical procedures to restrict entry, requiring a high damp dusting each morning prior to the first surgical case, and of course a culture of safety that supports adherence to clinical guidelines for full skin and hair coverage and changing of masks at a regular interval and when wet. Uh, I would also Here, voluntary air particle testing and adherence to maximum bacterial and particle counts for U.S. ORs as employed in Europe, though I have not seen that in any OR in the U.S. yet, Um, although certainly there are hospitals that use the particle counter on the alluvia to determine the quality of OR air during cases.
1: Okay, and Dr. Kirschman, we hear a lot about the dangers to surgical teams associated with smoke plume. Can you tell more about that and whether the alluvia might help?
4: Yes. When a surgeon uses an electrosurgical unit or a laser for the thermal destruction of tissue, it generates surgical smoke. Um, The surgical smoke can contain carbon monoxide, viral and bacterial fragments, as well as carcinogenic and mutagenic particles that can create health risks for surgical team members and the patient. Smoke evacuation devices are available and are in use by some ORs, though not all. The alluvia is not designed to evacuate surgical smoke, though it has been proven to improve the quality of OR air, which would include removal of contaminants that are byproducts of surgical smoke.
1: Okay, and Dr. Kirschman, what are your plans regarding how to make sure hospitals know about the benefits of Alluvia?
4: Um, our company, Aerobiotics, uh, exhibits at all the key surgical conferences globally uh, on an ongoing basis. In addition, we have an advisory team that assists with, a mar- with marketing, including social media, webinars, and lectures. We're always on the road spreading the word about how we can help reduce surgical infection risk, especially for implant procedures.
1: Wonderful. That's such great news, Dr. Kirschman. And can you describe how hospitals typically go about evaluating and then acquiring one or more alluvial units?
4: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, This varies according to the structure of the hospital. But typically, the induction, the introduction of the alluvia will begin in the operating room with a surgeon champion. From there, a value analysis or product committee becomes involved in planning a clinical evaluation. Um, particle counting is performed and surgical infections are tracked during the evaluation and a decision is made regarding whether to bring Alluvia into the OR as part of the existing SSI prevention bundle. We have a number of options for acquiring the Alluvia system, and the most popular involves no capital equipment purchase. In that model, we continue to own and maintain the units, and the OR purchases the filter cartridges that are changed once a day.
1: Okay. And, Dr. Kirschman, does the Alluvia require a lot of upkeep or maintenance?
4: Um, The Alluvia does not uh, require a lot of upkeep and maintenance. Um, We provide it completely by our company. We track the devices remotely to determine when the ultraviolet bulbs and internal filter need to be replaced. And the operating room itself, the staff replaces the primary filter cartridge daily.
1: Okay, and Dr. Kirschman and Sue, we thank you so much for providing the in-depth information to our global listeners right now, and at this time, we're going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will be reviewing the key points discussed today with Sue Barnes and Dr. David Kirschman, so please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. <music>
0: Join us on November 8th and 9th at the 6th Annual International C-Diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo taking place at the Embassy Suites by Hilton Philadelphia Airport Hotel. For conference information and to register online, please visit the C-Diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call the main office at 919-201-1512. We can't wait to see you at this year's conference. Call 919-201-1512 or visit cdifffoundation.org and we'll see you in November. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. The C. diff Foundation offers global community support sessions. C. diff can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety. Get answers to your questions. You're not alone. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. To register for a session, call the C. diff foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom, entered and exited a patient's room, visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Handwashing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention.
1: Welcome back to the program, everyone, and we thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, Sue Barnes, RN, BSN, CIC, and fellow of APIC, along with Dr. David Kirschman, MD, FAANS, neurosurgeon, inventor, founder, and CEO of Aerobiotics Incorporated. Sue and David uh, both join us today to discuss the introduction of contaminated operating room air and surgical infection risks. Welcome back to the program, Sue and Dr. Kirschman. Thanks. You're welcome, and thank you so much for taking time to be here. And um, Sue, would you like to start off and share any closing comments before we close the program today? Yeah,
2: that'd be great. Thanks, Nancy.
1: You know, one
2: thing that we didn't cover is, um, hey, is the Alluvia unit complicated to use, and who needs to be in charge of, of the unit once it's brought into the hospital. Um, I can tell you having been connected with operating room teams that have purchased the uh, filters and have contracted with aerobiotics to bring the Alluvia into their operating rooms to make them safer for patients, Uh, it's a really simple unit to operate. It's a matter of turning it on in the morning and leaving it on throughout the day so that it's just cleaning the air. Uh, it's, it's located um, strategically. The aerobiotic staff helps, with, helps the OR team determine where to place the Alluvia unit within the operating room, and they're there to help with any questions, but it really requires no special training, and typically it's the operating room Technician that is responsible for turning it on at the beginning of the day and turning it off at the end of the day and replacing the filter once a day. So um, I did want to share that with uh, with the folks listening. And in general, I just want to thank you, Nancy, and the CDF Founda- Foundation for this opportunity to share information about the infection risk. Risk that is associated with contaminated operating room air. And I'd like to end by sharing my general approach to infection prevention, which is, until we've achieved sustained zero preventable infections, we should continue to be early adopters of innovative approaches, such as using the Alluvia device, which will support our efforts to reduce patient infection risk. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you, Sue. Thank you so much for joining us and for the kind comments and for reiterating the importance of infection prevention for patient safety, and we thank you for that. And Dr. Kirschman, would you like to share any closing comments and the important contact information with our global listeners before we close today's program?
4: Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. And, um, and thanks so much, uh, Sue and Nancy and uh, the C. Diff Foundation uh, for this great forum uh, to uh, talk about this important topic for your audience. You know, so much of infection prevention is about education, including the roles of new technologies in getting to zero infections. Um, I would encourage any listeners who are interested in the role of AIR in surgical site infection and hospital-acquired infection generally, uh, to uh, check out our website at www.aerobiotics.com. That's A-E-R-O-B-I-O-T-I-X. And thanks again for the opportunity.
1: Uh, We thank you both so much for being here, and Dr. Kirschman, thank you for your kind comments, and thank you for sharing all the important information about Aerobiotics Incorporated, and we appreciate the zero infection goal, and we also want to thank you for joining us on C. diff spores and more global broadcasting network today, and we're grateful for your dedication in infection prevention and putting patients and their safety first. At this time, the members of the C. diff foundation wish to acknowledge all of the organizations around the globe dedicated to improving health. The organizations and professionals that are reaching and researching and developing new products addressing C. difficile infection prevention, treatments, protecting the gut microbiome, and addressing environmental safety worldwide uh, with healthcare acquired infections. Also, to learn more about the C. difficile infection and recurrent C. difficile infection prevention and treatments, clinical trials that are in progress on how you may be able to take part in a clinical study, Please visit the CDF Foundation's website, www.cdifffoundation.org, and it is as easy as clicking on the tab that says uh, Clinical Trials in Progress. Please help them to help you to help others. And we would like to share the following information provided by the CDC today. The U.S. government's Antimicrobial Resistance, AMR, challenge is now a year-long effort to accelerate the fight against antimicrobial resistance across the globe. The AMR challenge is a way for governments, private industries, and non-governmental organizations worldwide to make formal commitments that further the progress against antimicrobial resistance. The challenge encourages a One Health approach, recognizing that the health of people uh, is connected to the health in animals and the environment. The AM, AMR challenge launches at the United Nations General Assembly at September 25, 2018. The CDF Foundation commits to continuing to recognize the serious disease burden and significant economic impact that antimicrobial resistance and healthcare associated infections place on patients, their families, in communities, and the healthcare systems throughout the world. As a p- part of the AMR challenge, the C. foundation will continue to acknowledge and share the importance of AMR stewardship programs, develop and expand ongoing campaigns at the national and sub-national levels to promote and improve hand hygiene methods, compliance among healthcare providers, and make... Reliable and validated information available on antibiotic use and AMR stewardship programs. Infection prevention, environmental safety, vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostics at the community district levels to encourage best practices. To learn more about the AMR challenge, please visit the CDC website, cdc.gov forward slash drug resistance forward slash intl dash activities we thank Synthetic Biologics for being a diamond sponsor of the sixth annual International C. diff Awareness Conference this November 8th and 9th, taking place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the Embassy Suite's Philadelphia Airport property. For more information and to register, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website, and we look forward to learning more together with you this November. We send out our get well wishes to all patients being treated and recovering from a C. difficile infection and the many wellness-draining illnesses being being combated across the globe. I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, with our reminder, none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. We wish you good health, continued healing, and a good day. Thank you. (laughs)